Maybe Morgan dressed like Wolverine Maybe Dave ate his way out of trouble Maybe Dustin's diorama came in last Maybe Morgan tunneled out of jail Maybe Dustin ran for council member Maybe Dave found himself horribly miscast Find out what happened Yes, find out what happened Since when last we left our Welcome to When Last We Left Our Podcast, a bi-weekly storytelling podcast hosted by me, Morgan Pielli. Me, Dave Worth. And me, Dustin Diodato. With our special guest, Ben Lilly. Hooray! Yay! Each week we tell true life stories inspired by the events that happened to us since the last time we recorded this podcast. When last we left our podcast, Dustin cracked under pressure. Morgan didn't go to the MoMA, and Dave did very little. This week, Morgan challenges the elements. Dave meets an old friend. Dustin pays too much attention to the subway, and Ben relearns about relearning about his grandfather. All right. So, so first, special uh, welcome, special guest Ben. Hello, howdy. Yay! Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, uh, I do that for a living now, sort of. Only I host shows. So, um, I was a scientist, and then I got bored doing research, and I moved to New York, like many people do. Um, and now I run uh, the Story Collider. We have people tell true stories about science in their life. Nice. Wow. What kind of science were you doing before you, you left it behind? High energy particle theory. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, uh, I, know, so, I know nothing about that. So that's the people who run the Large Hadron Collider mm-hmm. would do things. We would do calculations to see what they might see, like large extra dimensions or supersymmetry or stuff like that. I once like met a guy who helped build the Large Hadron mm. Collider. I met him. We were both volunteering serving beer at a beer festival that sounds like the lhc guys yeah <laughs> yeah and everybody knew him there he had volunteered there for like years oh it wasn't because he was like a rock star physicist no <laughs> no no and they were all like hey dude you you doing you doing the north fork one next week yep yep i am he stole so much beer is the other thing <laughs> here's here's where i follow the train of thought is the guys who built that like to get drunk mm. and likely the thought of building that was a drunk idea that they were like, <laughs> you know, it would be fucking awesome. We build a collider, but huge. Uh, and then it, just, it got out of hand. Yeah. It just got really out of got hand. Really, really big. The thing is, they had the idea like 30 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And it, was a long it took that long to build it. Yeah. Th- right. And that that's one of those things where it, there are many things where like if I was in charge of things, they would never happen because they were like, oh, well, we just need like. $30 billion to make this or whatever it is. That was remarkably accurate, yes. Uh, and it goes about really? 10 to $15 billion, But yeah. yeah. And, and people are like, we'll get, we'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. anyway uh, yeah. And they did. They, they fucking did. did. I would have been like, we're never going to get that money yeah. so that we can like test this thing that maybe it'll work. Maybe we'll build it and go, you know, we were wrong. Yeah. We forgot a comma. It blew up the first time they turned it on. That was fun. That's right. Yeah, didn't yeah. someone drop something into like... No, that was a bird. That was later. Oh, okay. Um, Later on, a bird dropped a baguette onto a That's cooling right. tower, and uh, <laughs> I was going to say sandwich, but I, I thought while. that sounded dumb. But yeah, no, <laughs> that was even dumber. It was a bird yep. dropped a sandwich. Yep. Wow. Um, All right. Great. Do we? Uh... <laughs> Birds hate science. They yeah, really, they do. Love sandwiches. Um, so I guess I'm going to start. I'm going to jump right into this. Um, Sweet. And I'm going to address the elephant in the room, which is the mega blizzard that <laughs> yeah, New well, York experienced. Oh, two days ago. Um, did you guys prepare for it in any way? 
I, I went to the supermarket and had stress bought everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time I say I'm not going to do that, and then I do that. Right, and that makes me so mad <laughs> every time somebody does that because it's saying like, I don't have two days worth of food in my home. I am pretty confident <laughs> that if I don't go to the store now, I will die in those two days. <laughs> Who doesn't like? I, oh, no, well, I, I, in fairness to me, I I, I don't. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you do. I'm very poorly prepared for In life. fairness to me, I had two days of, worth of food if those two days included, like, just a bag full of burrito wraps <laughs> and a can of chickpeas. Why can't they? Well, they can. I would, I would go crazy if that's all I had to eat was burritos made of chickpeas just wrapped in a burrito I had, wrap. I had soup and rice aroni. Wow. Well, you those are Those are my meals. In. I think part of it is also the lack of confidence that I would be able to survive. The two days, just even though I've done this so many times, I spent my entire life in New England. There's that kind of part of me in the back of my head. just like, this could be the one. This this could be the one where I, I somehow screw it up. And, and have to go power. full cannibal. Yeah, I have, to go, I have to eat the paint off of my walls, the delicious, sweet-tasting lead paint. Um, so, yeah, so I stocked up on lots of cereal and milk because those milk doesn't spoil, right? It'll be fine <laughs> if we lose power. That was a well-thought-out plan. Um but so, and I've, I've talked about a little bit on here before how I have this like very unusual therapist that I see and, and unusual in that she's open on the weekend. She was also open during the thunder blizzard. So I was not expecting that when I said like, hey, do you have any openings this weekend? She's like, yeah, um, I'll be around like a quarter of noon on Saturday. And I'm like, all right. I mean, if you're going to be there, I should probably make the effort. It's a five minute walk from my apartment. Um, so I got up, you know, uh, I always I always get up thinking I'm going to have like a leisurely morning because it's my weekend. But even with just with the therapist, it's never leisurely. It's always just like very last second. I'm always just chasing my own tail out the door. And I was hoping that she would text me back and go like, you know what? Maybe we should reschedule this. And she never did. So I texted her after looking out the window and going, maybe we should reschedule this. And, and her response was, well, I'm here in the office. So that's up to you. And I was like. <laughs> she really wanted that oh, really really wanted it um so i'm like all right well i'm this is going to have to happen so my normal saturday ritual is get up as late as possible after masturbating and then <laughs> look this is just a ritual this is just how this works have a have a frantic breakfast of whatever's <laughs> in the fridge um grab my computer Knowing that I'm going to go to the therapist and then I'm going to go to the coffee shop immediately afterwards. And I was just taking it on gospel that the coffee shop would be open in the blizzard because my <laughs> therapist was open in the blizzard. So why wouldn't the coffee shop also be open? So um, I gather my things, put on my jacket, I get my $1,500 computer, which is expensive for me. And I start heading down the stairs. And I'm being, already being very careful because like, I can see there's like patches of water on the stairs from where the people in my building have been coming up and down. I'm like, all right, you know what? It's a five-minute walk. You bought all your food the day before. You can do this. You spent your entire life on the East Coast. You, you know how to do this. I open the door. I take my first, my first step, foot outwards, past the threshold, and I immediately misjudge how deep the snow is. Um, it was already a foot deep. I thought it was a couple of inches. So I overstep and I lose my balance immediately and I start to fall down the steps of my building. So I spin backwards, flailing for purchase. And in the process of doing so, I smack my hand against the railing really hard. It really hurts. But I managed to catch the railing and stabilize myself just before I fall on my ass and my $1,500 computer into a foot of snow. 
Okay. An inauspicious start, <laughs> but I can salvage this. So I collect myself. I get, I trudge down the stairs. I'm still going. I'm still going. All I've committed I can think to this. is, thank God you already masturbated. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I, I get out. I'm like, you know, calf deep in the snow. I trudge. I'm about a half a block down. And I, I ask myself the eternal question that you never want to ask yourself. Why does my right hand feel sticky? And I pull my hand out and it's covered in blood. Just covered. And the process of pulling my hand out, I splatter my white scarf with blood. So now there's flecks of blood all over my scarf, probably the inside of my pocket still. I didn't really clean that out. Um, and bits of my face. Apparently, I had smacked my finger. I couldn't even see where the cut is. And I still can't. I, I, I've cleaned it. Um, I smacked it right along the fingernail. Now, like, I guess I cut it along the side of the fingernail. Under normal conditions, that would be nothing. However... My heart rate was racing from my near fall. It's cold out. So, like, the blood is near the, the, the surface of your skin. Um, did you... This reminded me of... Did you guys ever have that friend in, like, grade school who was fascinated by the human body and would do body tricks? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like dislocating joints and, like... Sure. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, I knew this guy named Dave who would do a trick where he would... He would take a pin and he would prick his arm and it just, like, a little dot of blood would appear. Fine. Sure. No big deal. Then he would... Sp- Spin his arm around and 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 put it back down again. And the centripetal force plus, I guess, the pulse rate has gone up. So now it's shooting blood out. And that was apparently what had happened. This tiny little hole just like caked my hand in blood. So now I'm shaking a little bit as I trudge the. I still have a good two long blocks to get to my therapist. My five minute journey. I'm already two minutes in. I'm covered in blood. It's okay. I make it to the therapist. I immediately beeline to the bathroom and I wash my hand off. Um, and I have my therapy appointment because she's been there the whole time and she's perfectly calm and collected. And this is not a big deal for her to have gotten here um, from wherever she lives, which is far enough away that she can't walk. I think she took a bus or something. Um, did, did, did early on in the therapy session, she give you the advice that you should have gone the fuck home? Yeah, more or less. She's like, you really didn't need to. I mean, I had other clients, so I was still going to be here, but you didn't. Okay, I guess we're going to go through their, our session. And it ended up being a very good but intense session, um, which I'm not going to get into. But we talked about, like, my mom and my, my childhood and, you know, the, the, my parents' divorce and um, how often my mom comes up in my storytelling stories. Like this one, for example. She's already popped up in it. Um, that's a thing I have to address. Um, and then the therapy session was over, and I went to the coffee shop. Because, God damn it, I'm going to have my coffee. I'm going to do my... my um, I brought my computer because I wanted to do some drawing and work on my website a bit. And I, I go into the coffee shop, Norma's lovely place. It was indeed open. Wow. Uh, hardcore. Super hardcore. The baristas were... Less than thrilled to be there, <laughs> as you might imagine. Yeah. Um, when I first walk in the door, I go, hey, Taylor. Taylor's one of the baristas. I know her pretty well. And her response was, what are you doing here? <laughs> and there was no like joy or happiness behind that. This wasn't like a sarcastic thing. She was angry that I was here because my being there proved that they were right to be open, which was a terrible thing to be proved right about. Were you the only one there? No, there was a, a bunch of people there already. It was like noon. And, well, I guess at this point it was one and people were already stir crazy. Um, and it wasn't so it was coming down by this point. I live in Ridgewood, so I don't know where what it was like where you guys are. And it was coming down, but it wasn't like full bore, but it was unpleasant. 
Um, I was there for about three hours. They closed early. They closed at four. I left a little bit before that because I kept looking out the window. At first, I'm like all confident. I got my egg and a bagel and my coffee. I'm cranking away on the website. Things are going well. And I keep looking out the window and the snow is going from a, a, a vertical position to progressively more horizontal. <laughs> and I'm seeing people like bundled down more and more and, and fewer cars. And the cars that are on the street don't seem to be adhering to the original pattern that the streets were originally created. You see people walk by in. and then you see them blow backwards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I, I get really nervous and I'm starting to dread the walk back because again, during the previously better conditions, I already managed to bloodlet myself. Um, but after a couple of hours, I'm like, all right, I should go back now before it gets really bad. So I go outside. I start. Well, now I'm being extra careful because God help me if I get killed again. Because all I'm thinking is like, this this is going to bury me. All of this, no, I'm going to be buried. No one will ever find me. Um, this will be the end of Morgan. His corpse will never be found. So Because that's how snow works. That's how it works. <laughs> that's how it works. It um, disintegrates. <laughs> yeah. My corpsicle would have just like been pushed down the street progressively by each passing snowplow. Um, and at this point it's full out of my face and it's like, I'm walking into a snowblower. And again, this is like normally a five minute walk. It takes me about 10 minutes. It's really slow going. Nothing's been plowed. Why would it be? And by the time I get, I'm about half a block away from my house and I can feel my heart racing and like I'm dripping sweat because it was such an ordeal just to walk against the blizzard through these, like, you know, now it's nearly up to my knees of snow. And I finally get inside. And I thought, I, like, they always say during a snowstorm that you shouldn't go, you should be very careful when you're shoveling because that's how people have heart attacks. Because it's, people always underestimate how much stress is involved in just moving snow because it's denser and heavier because it's full of water than it appears. And just that walk back, like, I suddenly got it. You know, as a 20-something, I just assume, like, oh, well, it's the elderly. That's, that's what's going to happen. Like, and not in such a heartless way, but, you know, like, the frailty of age hadn't really occurred to me. But now I'm in my mid, mid to late 30s. And, guys, that walk was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was really bad. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that was my day. And I, after that, I'm just like, fuck it. I'm staying inside for the rest of the weekend. I'm not going out anywhere. This was not worth it. None Ooh. of this was worth it. Yeah. You're probably right. Yeah, yeah. I managed to stay inside the whole time. You are, you are the smart ones. Yeah, I went out very briefly, uh, and I actually was having fun running around, but Kelly was with me, and she was like, I want to go home. <laughs> yeah, it's also miserable out, so I'm amazed that you were able to find fun in it, because, boy, I was not. I kind of, I mean, I kind of, uh, I'm one of those like people who's like, the zombie movie might be fun to be in. So, like, when apocalyptic things kind of happen. You say that sure. now until yeah. the zombies come in here. Yeah. They're going to win. I mean, the, yeah, yeah oh, oh, I know, I know, but I'll go down fighting. Sure. I spent the entire time inside watching iZombies. So that oh, nice. Oh, nice, well. nice. Good show. Yeah. I highly recommend it. I've heard. I've heard. Um, well, cool. I guess I will, I'm will. i next uh, to tell my story. Um, and uh, so uh, I, uh, I, as I've mentioned, I, I work outdoors in my neighborhood, which is a very residential neighborhood. Um, and you, uh, part of that is, um, part of the thing that happens there is that you run into people uh, who aren't nine to fivers um, uh, when you're in a residential neighborhood during the day. And um, that sounds judgmental, and I don't really mean to be because, you know, nobody was ever shittier to me or a worse person than the people I worked in offices with. 
Um, but they're definitely like different um, uh, people who are, are not uh, office people. Um, uh, and and one of the ways in which they're they're different is just that they're some of them are are a lot older. I run into a lot of retirees um, uh, while I'm out, and uh, there's this one guy I see pretty often, and he's this um, really super friendly old guy. He's probably like mid to late sixties, uh, bald. Um, I'm pretty short. I'm like five, six, five, seven. He's sh- considerably shorter than me and kind of barrel shaped, but he, he's super, super friendly. Whenever he sees me, he goes in this, like really, he, he comes up to me in this, in, in this really indistinct accent, um, that I can't place at all. He just he grabs my forearm and he goes, it has been so long since I saw you. How have you been? Aww. Um, uh, and, uh, then he'll just sort of talk for a while um, and I don't always understand exactly what he's saying, um, uh, in part because of the indistinct accent, but also in part because he's older, he doesn't have all his teeth, and he only has a partial uh, denture replacement, which, not a bad look for an old guy, like, that's fine, uh, but it does make him s- somewhat difficult to understand at times. But uh, usually I don't think it's a good look for an old guy, though. It's not, I mean, but it's understandable, right? No, I know, you know I'm like, just saying, I think, I think, Full dentures should be the should be like the goal at the very least. One, With the goal, so you want you want to lose more teeth. That's the goal is to lose well, as many teeth as possible. So you have the he full also set. he does have no, gaps. I, you know, like he, there there's there's definite missing there right, that I'm, aren't replaced. Right. I'm just saying, in order to qualify for like that guy's got it going on. Like <laughs> all the teeth need to be there. This guy is uh, out. And about in Sunnyside, Queens at three in the afternoon. So, like, he already is, is excluded from got it going on. Okay. Um, uh, like myself. Um, so, anyway, he's, um, he's very friendly. He's, 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 he's difficult to understand, and he just talks a blue streak at me. So, it's usually, like, every time he asks a question, I start to reply, but I only get a syllable out. And meanwhile, he's like, it has been so long since I saw you. How are you doing? What is going on? Is everything good? You are good. I am good. It's good. Um, and I'll be going, yeah. uh, And, uh, he never like, uh, in any way acknowledges the dogs I'm walking while he's doing this, like, which is unusual. People usually they're like, Oh, that dog is cute. But I guess he's not a dog person. He's a people person. Um, So anyway, he's, he's, he's talking this blue streak and then like he's turning off a conversational faucet, he'll just go, okay, bye. Good to see you. (laughs) And just walk away. Um, and leave me there sort of stunned by like this flowing words. Um, uh, but it's fine. Like I'm usually not in a major hurry. And even if I'm running a little late, like I can give this charming old guy, like a couple minutes, um, and so on Thursday, I saw him, and I'm walking down the street, and he's walking towards me, and he stops me, and he grabs me by the forearm. So it's it's like we're uh, dosy doing almost when he does that, because we're faced in different directions, but we're standing sideways to each other, so our heads are turned to see each other, because um, he's got me by my forearm, um, uh, but like he doesn't really turn to face me, and I don't really turn to face him, because it weird um so instead we just stand in the most awkward imaginable way while somebody plays a banjo while somebody plays a banjo <laughs> um and so he grabs me by the forearm and he goes 
where have you been? It's been so long since I saw you. Side note, it hasn't. <laughs> like, it's been a couple weeks. And also, it's not like we're two old friends who got together for a beer and we're like, oh, my God, we got to make sure another year doesn't go by before we touch base again. I, I like to think that he's not interested in the dogs because he is a dog in a human body. <laughs> <laughs> and he has no idea how long it's been since yeah. he last saw you. When, where, where were you? It's been seven years yeah. since we got together. Um, no, he's he's just going. He's just, I don't know. He, he He's just being nice, I guess. This is this is how he knows to say, I, I, I've been thinking about you or something. Um, it's been so long since I saw you. It's been a couple weeks and we don't know each other's names. Um, uh, uh, so he's got me by the forearm and he's like, yeah, he's talking, he's talking. And How are you doing? Was good. Work is good. You are good. And I'm going by. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, he keeps going. Um, and then he goes, OK, good to see you. Bye. And he starts to go. And then he grips my arm tighter and he turns back and he actually turns square to me. So now he is facing the side of my face. Um, And I'm like I said, he's shorter than me. And I've sort of got my arm out because he kind of dragged it as he turned. Um, So it's like he's a kid at a a counter, you know, like kind of coming up to it. Uh, And he sort of presses himself against that arm. And he says, can I ask you something? Or can, uh, sorry, can I tell you something? And I go, I don't say anything because I'm waiting for him to keep talking. And then I go, yeah, go ahead. And he goes, you have beautiful eyes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I went, thank you. <laughs> and he goes, what color are they? Are they blue? I go, I think they're technically hazel. He goes, they are beautiful. Okay, bye. <laughs> and he walks away. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't really know what to do with all that. That's very nice and charming. Um, it did a little bit make me go, is he actually nice to everybody or just... Just because he kind of likes me, likes me. Um, and <laughs> I also had the thought, well, it's funny for me, but man, women put up with this shit all the time. Uh, so that's what happened to me. I haven't seen him since. I have a feeling it's going to be more awkward the next time <laughs> I see him. <laughs> but cool. All right. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um. Have you you've never seen him interact with anybody else? Not really. No. Um, the I mean, like he's I've seen I've seen him like as he's walking away from me, go hey to somebody else, you know. Down I, he's kind of a guy in the neighborhood. People seem to know him. Right. So I uh, I had a, a homeless lady. Uh, it, this was a few years back, but I was waiting for the train, and she like made eye contact with me, and I was like, uh oh, <laughs> like what's she gonna say? She got like. Like walked over to me. She's like, "You look good in purple." <laughs> that's, that's really nice. <laughs> I was Sweet. like, "Thank, thank you." She's like, "Okay," and then walks away. And and like, if you look at my my clothing choices, I have a I have a lot of purple, and I don't know whether or not it's because I like purple or because I want to make that homeless lady happy. <laughs> but but I wear a lot of purple. Uh, I guess it's my turn. It it, it is. certainly is. Uh, so there's something about um, cold weather. 
that like has this effect on me that um, like once every, I would say probably like five years, I will have a really weird like Zen moment brought on miraculously by cold weather. Uh, And it happened to me today on the way home. I was um, sort of hustling to get out of the office and, um, and I hit the street and the sort of the cold weather hit me. And then all of a sudden everything became like crystal clear, (laughs) you know, like I could see everybody's movements and like, I just noticed everything, which is hard for me because I'm, as any normal listener will know, I'm legally blind, so I I don't notice <laughs> many things. Um, and especially like when I'm walking back, I'll usually I'll put on my headphones and you know just sort of focus on on where I'm going. Um, but I had this weird moment of like everything's here, you know. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to put on my headphones, and I'm just going to kind of ride this out and sort of pay attention to the world, you know. And I. I walked uh, uh, towards the subway, uh, and again, if you've listened, you know that that part of my walk is particularly treacherous, and in a snowstorm, it's that much, or like in a post-snow situation, it's that much more treacherous, because there's, um, there's large amounts of slush on every mm-hmm. corner, uh, and one of the benefits of having uh, a, traveling with a cane is that you could dip it in the slush. And know how deep it is. Oh. Uh, one of the negatives is that you know how deep it is. <laughs> and you know that you don't have any choice. Uh, so I bought these boots that are like really tall and uh, not that are waterproof, but not super tall. And I stepped in and it was like, and I knew that it was like the water was deeper than my boot. <laughs> so it was going to be okay. And then super gross. Uh, and water got like all in my shoe. Um, but I was like, okay, you know, I'm fine. And I got to the subway uh, and the train was there. And I was like, great. I'm, I want to make sure I, to get there early. Uh, and with excitement, I, I ran into the train and, and the train was buzzing, you know, and you could hear everybody talking. And again, like when I'm in that weird mode, I could like, I could hear every conversation somehow and, and all the liveliness uh, of what was going on uh, and all the people who had plans. And then we sat there for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Um, and I, and I could hear it growing like slowly more angry and, and, and upset. Uh, and we made it one train stop. We made it to 28th street, uh, and a few people got off and there's an effect that can happen when like, um, some like a certain collection of the right people leave the train mm. because then the door is closed and it was like library quiet. All of a sudden, like no one was speaking, and the only noise that you could hear was like a couple of people who had headphones and like the, you know the, the sort of random beat that you have no idea what the fuck the song is. But it was like the only thing that was going on, and I could just see everybody just like on their cell phones and and quiet, you know, like playing games and stuff. And I looked over, and there was this lady who I'm going to call the fur lady. Uh, because she was wearing a full fur jacket, uh, a full fur hat, uh, that was like round, like, um, like a cake, (laughs) you know, like a Dr. Zhivago hat, I I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, and fur mittens, 
um, so that like every part that you could see of her was sort of covered in fur. And, so and she I, was one of these dog people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I and I just sat there. I was like looking at her, like, why are you here? Like, you have so much fur. Like, <laughs> take take a take a cab. Like, <laughs> like it was clearly like she was way too fancy, you know, for who we were. Um, and uh, and eventually we got to thirty fourth uh, and forty second, and at forty second. I, I changed trains, and never in my life has Times Square been the most relaxing part of my trip. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> but it was the most relaxing part of my trip because the the time from Twenty Third Street where I started to Forty Second Street, the train was packed to like a ridiculous degree where you couldn't really move. Um, except for this is the weird thing: I, I took three trains, and on all three of the trains, I stood in front of somebody. We went one stop, and that person got up, and I sat down the rest of the time. Oh, nice. It was very bizarre and very lucky, and I'm, I'm thankful for whoever that person is. Um, so I, I transferred at 42nd to get on the 7 train, and ha- having observed everybody on the N, um, I, I became very aware of the differences of the people <laughs> who were on the 7 train. The 7 train people wanted to fight. Like, the 7 <laughs> train people, like, it, it was... Like, like the first lady I noticed, because that train was also waiting patiently for me when I arrived, despite the fact that the trip took three times longer than it should have. Uh, the trains were always just anxiously waiting. <laughs> uh, the first lady I saw was standing by the door, and she was doing that, like, uh, that neck thing that people do, like, when they're about to, like, to, like mix martial arts fight. Uh-huh. You know, uh, cracking the neck without like using the hands. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like she was definitely like ready to go and sort of bobbing and weaving, but like there was nobody that she was going to fight. Like she was just ready to go, but still just like checking Facebook, but like right. <laughs> ready to throw down. Um, and then across the way, uh, I was just sort of scanning people. Uh, and there was this lady who had like a, a, a really big, cotton like or wool cat on um but then the biggest headphones i'd ever seen over the hat like she for some reason refused to pick it up and and i i stared over at her and then as though she like saw me she like snapped to my gaze like in the creepiest fucking way because she was a good she was the whole train length away from me uh-huh. and somehow she saw me and like snapped to my gaze and you know like in horror movies when a person like jumps on the ceiling and does that like awkward <laughs> monster move to you like i was a hundred percent sure that this lady was going to do that <laughs> in the way that she looked at me and i was like oh no and immediately looked down um because at first i thought she was wearing a burka because of the way that she had it and i was like oh i want to go talk to this lady because i want to know everything is happening but as soon as she looked at me i was like i don't want to talk to you at all um and then i looked sort of I, I i sat down and i looked in front of me and uh there was a weird juxtaposition between the guy that like okay the guy standing in front of me was a businessman it was a like a uh an african-american gentleman uh in uh like clearly like a like a, a fancy coat with a scarf tied exactly the way you're supposed to tie a scarf and like everything was right about the way that he was dressed. Well like I was jealous about the way that he was dressed. And then he grabbed the 
the pole right in front of my face and he had like a zombie hand. Like he had this hand that was like all weird like bones and knuckle and you know what I mean? Where like the hand didn't move like a hand should. The hand Mm. moved like a hand coming out of a grave. Um, (laughs) And like he had nails that were like, you know, like out. Like, you know, like nails that were like way too long and just with like dirt in them. You know, and like the nails were like sort of that like like zombie like where that's it, got like little lines mm-hmm. on it, um, and I just like I really wanted to be like what how did how did this happen, sir? Like <laughs> how did you like how are you so formal? And then you have like the grossest hands that I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> uh, and I looked over at the guy next to me uh, who was equally as like who was who was clearly a construction worker, you know, like. Um, like he had worked a hard day. You could sort of see that he was weathered um, and just holding a rosary hmm. bead hmm. in his hand, like asleep, like not praying, hmm. just like, I got a rosary, no big deal, but like a big gaudy kind of rosary, not like a, you know, a humble kind of rosary. Sure. Uh, whatever. Uh, so I got off the seven train uh, and got, got onto the, uh, waited on the platform for the end where I was like, okay, I feel like, you know, like I'm almost home. Uh, uh, nothing else. Like every like looking around, I felt like okay, these are the people that are normally on the end train. You know, like when I got there, um, and then immediately to my right, I saw this dude, and I was like, immediately like, you're on a flip phone. <laughs> Why are you on a flip phone? <laughs> Nobody's on a flip phone. <laughs> so like, and he was typing a lot of stuff into it, but not closing it. You know what I mean? I was like, what? what's happening um so like i i sort of followed it up and it was really frightening because like again with my peripheral vision like i don't see things in advance so i sort of followed him up and like when i got to his face he was looking right the fuck at me like (laughs) he was like super into my so i looked away and like looked back and he was still locked the fuck on me and i was like oh no like we're gonna fight like (laughs) me and this guy are about to like go down like you know like uh and then he looked away and then he immediately called his wife and he had the gentlest most sweetest voice (laughs) (laughs) and he was like oh no honey please eat without me i don't know how long it's going to take me to 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 murder this guy (laughs) yeah well yeah like i thought he was definitely going to kill me uh so uh uh, the train comes pretty quick uh and i'm waiting and uh sort of looking around and and at this point like i sort of stopped noticing people and like the the moment of Zen is kind of going away and I've never had it for that long to just really like experience all the stuff around me, you know, but it was was a lot of fun to just like see all these people. Uh, and during this time I'm, you know, I'm thinking about how cool it was and how like fun it is to observe folks. And at the same time getting text messages from you guys who are, who are on their way, on your way here. Um, it was pretty much an epic, like, uh, subway collapse all around <laughs> yes like all of us relate uh so uh i'm thinking like you know like the only problem with this story is that like i don't have an ending like it's not really a story it's like a series of events that occurred or people that i saw uh in this weird moment of zen that i, I i've had uh and as i'm trying to figure out what the ending is uh, i look up and realize that we're at my train station and i have not noticed it 
And in 10 years, I've never missed my train station. <laughs> and this is the closest I've ever come. <laughs> like, I was like, I've been so observant. And I didn't observe the one fucking thing that I needed to do, <laughs> which was get off of my goddamn stuff. And the doors are closing. And I literally, like, throw my arm, like, with the cane arm <laughs> through the door. <laughs> Like, just as it's closing. And, it, like, it was full, like, Indiana Jones, like, right before it comes down <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, and just put my hand in there and, like, ripped it open. And I was like, there's a good chance that, that they're not going to wait for me and the train is just going to go and I'm going to die. Uh, but I made it. Uh, and uh, I made it through the door, uh, pulled it out, and now I'm here and telling you this story. That's great. And so I'm, I'm taking you from there to, to here. <laughs> so that's what that, that's my story. Whenever I see somebody like Fur Lady on the train, like especially if they've got like a puss on about being on the train, I'm always like, yeah, but you're here. You are on the train. Right. You don't get to be like, this is a self-selecting community of people who deserve this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you don't get to be yeah. above it all. You, you're no, part of us. And, and I mean, like she wasn't being a douche, but like, she was being a douche in the way that, like, people who aren't rich look at rich people just doing what they do, yeah. you know, where you're just like, fuck you with your whatever, like... With your car. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> right. It's somewhat nicer than other cars. Yeah. Jerk. Like, if I say, like, fuck you with your laundry in your apartment, <laughs> <laughs> like, that makes sense to you guys. Yeah. Right. Most people are like, yeah, no, that's not a fucking thing, like... Anyway, that's my life goal is to have laundry in my apartment. Uh, yeah. yeah. And a dishwasher. Oh, a dishwasher. Whatever. Someday. <sighs> you guys want to just take 15 New minutes dreams. and think about that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> think about um, not washing my dishes. Uh, Aaron, uh, Ben. Ben, uh, I yeah. your So, um, this story starts uh, a little bit ago. I was sitting after a show in the bar, as you do, talking to a guy that we had had give a talk. Um, I do all kinds of weird shows where we have people give little science talks and uh, I'm talking to this one guy and all of a sudden I realized he knew my grandfather. I'm like, wait, like, and how do you realize that he knew your grandfather? Um, I asked, um, is that a question you normally ask people? <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> he was, he, so my grandfather was a scientist and, um, so this guy was in a sort of related field. I figured I'll take a shot at this. Maybe he does know the, know him. Um, and I'd been looking for people who knew him um, because of some things that had happened. Uh, so let me rewind long ago to when I'm growing <laughs> up. Um, and so I, I didn't really have extended family growing up because my mom's family is in Connecticut and Massachusetts and my dad's family is in Louisiana and we lived in Oregon. So, like, they existed, and, like, every few years I'd see each of them. Um, there's, like, in actuality, I have, like, 25 extended family members. Like, it's insane. But um, I really didn't see many of them. So most of what I knew was stories. So, like, my mom would tell me about her mom, who was, like, a big deal in her town because she was town clerk, um, which turned out to be a one-day-a-week job, which is kind of awesome, those little Massachusetts towns. Um, and she also composed um, bell choir music. The, like with the the choir where each person has two bells 
and they ring them, and she would compose for that. I don't know why. I have so oh. many questions. <laughs> <laughs> Does everybody get, are both those bells the same note? Is no, every- each person has two notes. <laughs> <laughs> are they different notes, or is right. it just A, really? B? Like. We're we're running into the limits of my musical knowledge here, <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's there's there's a lot of people and they play these things. And when it's your turn to hit the note, you you it's, do it. That's um, like that Hershey. I think she adapted. Uh, there was this like German folktale that was like Peter and the Wolf, but some other kinds of animals that she adapted for it. Anyway, um, so I would hear stories like this, and then I would go out and sort of see the reality. And so um, when she talked about my grandfather, uh, she would say he's this big important scientist. You know, you know, he's this this guy in his field, and um, and I knew sort of what that meant because my dad was a scientist as well, and so he was a geologist, and I'd go to like the geologist parties when I was a kid, and I knew that like the big guy in the department was uh, Bob Smith. I think that's actually his name. I just made it up, but I think that's also actually his name. <laughs> were, all, um, were all the drinks like served in geodes? No, you think, no, no, they, it's like Budweiser. Oh. Like they don't do the fancy stuff <laughs> at all, but they get kegs. Nice. A lot of them. Nice. Um, not, they didn't serve me that when I was little. And, and hookers, <laughs> and hookers, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also served in a geode. <laughs> they burst <laughs> out of a geode. <laughs> um, but so like, I, I knew who the, you know, all the big people in the department were. And I also knew that if you asked like literally anybody at my school, nobody had any idea who these people were unless it was their dad. Right. Um, or their mom. Uh, and, and so like, I knew, I knew what that meant and we'd, we'd go see him and he had a house and, you know, the most remarkable thing about his house was his lazy Susan, which fascinated me as a kid. Um, cause you know, it spins, right? It's crazy. <laughs> was it a particularly large lazy Susan? No. Oh, no. <laughs> Fair enough. You'd think, but no, but you know, the kind of thing you focus on when you're a kid. And, um, so, like, that was what I knew about him. And then um, I went to college. I majored in physics. And uh, for my graduation present, this will give you a, a great idea of, like, what he was like. For my graduation present, he sent me several reprints of his own paper <laughs> <laughs> and some textbooks. Um, although, uh, to his credit, I had asked for the textbooks because I was that kind of kid. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, he sent me these reprints of his papers. And one of them was an autobiography he had written. And the first line of this autobiography is, in 1925, with the essential help of his mother, the author arrived on the scene. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So he published this in like a scientific journal. Like this wasn't like a book. This was like a paper in a journal. And so he sent it to me. The rest of it's about why science wasn't fun anymore. The answer is bureaucracy. And, um, And then there was this other one about this device he had invented. Um, which was called Fred's Folly. Um, it had some other name, but but it was called this literally in the paper. And uh, what it was, was it was like this box with three sides missing, and there was like a half-silvered mirror. And what they were doing is they were trying to figure out the structure of proteins. So like proteins, they're really important. They're like all the stuff that goes on in cells. You need them. And like you know, you know what DNA codes for is proteins. So it's, it makes stuff run. And so what a lot of people try to do is they try to work out different, there's like, there's tens of thousands of these things in your body, different kinds, and they try and work out what they look like. And that's important for medicine and also for understanding biology and all this stuff. So what he had done, so the way you, the way you do that is you, you blast them with x-rays, the x-rays bounce off, you see the way they bounced off, and then you try and figure out what it looked like from that. It's really obnoxious and hard. And so what he did was he, 
made this thing with this half-silvered mirror. So you stick the photograph in one side, and then you take a bunch of sticks and balls, and you assemble it below, and you try and match it up. And it's like, it's based on a, a device they use to do weird tricks on in theater stages with, with these weird mirror tricks, but it was for, like, assembling this protein structure thing. It was very bizarre, and people used it to work this out for at least a year before someone realized they could just use computers. Um, <laughs> Um, but so like this was this was his thing, and so he sent this to me. Yeah, was it basically like putting together Legos underneath yeah. his projected? Or like not Legos, but you know that what were they? Oh, the yeah. Tinker Toys. Yeah. Or, yeah, like the like the Watson Crick like yeah that exactly that model. exactly. Um, and okay, so like he's that was like who he was. Was his idea of like I'm gonna you know bond my grandson and send him my papers, um, and then. Uh, so a few years ago, he passed away. This was not unexpected. We, we knew this was coming, that kind of thing. Um, and so we're, we're getting ready for his funeral. And I decided I wanted to, like, I don't remember exactly what prompted this, but I decided to Google him. Um, and what came up was he, he had a Wikipedia page, which is fascinating. Like, someone had made a Wikipedia page about him. And I brought it up. And by, at this point, I had been doing, like, science writing and stuff. And there's this version of a Wikipedia page of a scientist that you know exactly what it means. So what came up was a page, and it had about three sentences, and they were all gibberish. They were just like, his research was on, and then I have no idea what the words past <laughs> that were. Um, and you see this a lot. And what this means is, like, somebody decided to make this page. Some other scientist decided to make this page. It didn't give any thought to, like, making something that anybody like even me a scientist at, at that point i had my degree um even me in another field i have no idea what it means right so and and this this was I, this was the first time i realized i was right like my mom had told these these stories like trying to like get me i think to respect my grandfather getting me to like you know understand who he was but she hadn't really calibrated it right like you know she, she he wasn't this big important scientist he was you know he was a scientist um I skipped the part I was going to say about how he was a, he was at Yale, so he was, that's why he was in Connecticut. And he was, this, this was the, the funniest bit that came through in the pictures at the funeral. He was a Yale scientist in that, like, he wore a literal tweed jacket with <laughs> literal elbow patches <laughs> every day. Like, that was his jacket. Oh, oh I thought you, were, you had a... Oh, no, no. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that happened. We had the funeral... Um, all, all that went by. And so then a couple of years ago, again, I don't know exactly what prompted this, but I was, uh, I was trying to, I think I was trying to find that autobiography cause I wanted that sentence cause that was amazing. So I, I was Googling for it and I, I typed his name in again and the Wikipedia page brought, came up. So I clicked on it to see, um, if there's anything new there and there was pages just page after page of stuff about him. There were sections. There was like a whole long section on, um, the, you know, the intro bit before the table of contents. There was the content started with his personal life. And it talked about like my, my grandmother and my step-grandmother and my mother. And it didn't talk about me for some reason, but that's okay. And, but it like, it, <laughs> no, went, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, this whole thing, it talked about how they loved sailing, like all this stuff. And then it got to his uh, professional stuff and it went through all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, oh you did that. Oh, there's stuff here. I sort of understand it. I didn't quite understand that part. And then, you know, the reference section at the end, there was like 50, 50 different references. You're like, this is a thing. And so I started poking into it and it was, somebody had created this thing called, uh, uh, wiki project biophysics, 
to, he was a biophysicist, um, to improve the Wikipedia pages of biophysics. And for whatever reason, uh, this person had picked my grandfather's as like the flagship biography to write. Hmm. And like it, you can get like different designations for Wikipedia pages about how good they are. And this one had been designated GA class, which is like the second highest, most complete. Like it was just, I was like, what, why would somebody do this? Like, this is amazing. And then I noticed in the references in places where it was, um, you know, substantiating some of the comments about things he'd done. Um, two of them were two obituaries that had been written about him in science and in nature. Now, these are two scientific journals, and they are the most influential journals in the world. Like, these are the big deal. And for him to get obituaries in both of them was kind of nuts. So I, I got a hold of them, and I started reading. And I'm reading through the nature obituary of him. And the third paragraph, it goes something, something, and then he did his work on something um, for which he arguably should have gotten the Nobel Prize with Carl Einvinson. <laughs> Whoa. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and that was, like, so, A, my mom was right. Like, that's, abs- like, crazy on its face. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, like, she... She hadn't had the words for, I hadn't had the words for, like, figure out to, like, exactly get across just how big a deal he was. But this, now, I was like, oh, here it is, like, in, like, stark detail. Um, And it's one of those crazy things about, like, how isolated science is. Like, this guy, like, basically was an Academy Award nominee, Mm -hmm. but, like, you've never heard of him. I had never heard of, I would never have heard of him if he wasn't my grandfather, right? It's it's a different world there. But so, eventually, um, so I, I dug into this. I figured out who wrote this, and I actually called her up because I wanted to to figure it out. Turns out she was a retired professor. Um, and she had known him when she was was um, in graduate school and wanted to write. She just decided to write about all the people who were influential. And apparently she had had three major influences in her scientific life. And uh, the first two of them, their Wikipedia pages were great, but my grandfather's was terrible. So that's why she started there. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, but so I learned all this stuff, and it was crazy. I finally learned out why he was famous. Um it turns out that he had the, the work that he, he should have gotten the Nobel Prize for. Uh, he worked out that proteins have structure, like that there is a structure to figure out that they aren't just blobs, which wasn't even like a question I could have put together. And this happened so, so long ago. Like it's it's very strange. But so the thing that happened recently, <laughs> so all that happened a, a couple of years ago. Um, I ended up writing a piece about it, and and it was it was this remarkable. I wrote a thing called "What I Learned About My Grandfather from Wikipedia," which is this <laughs> lovely little internet piece. Um, but so then I'm I'm sit. Uh, we did this show. We had this guy give this weird talk, and he worked on proteins. So I was like, "Wait, do you do you know Fred Richards?" And he kind of looked, and he goes, "Yeah." Like, that's an interesting response. Now, by this time, I'd met a couple other people who knew him, and I asked most of the scientists uh, in related fields that I that I could. But that was an interesting response. So I, I did something this time. Usually I would, like, ask about, you know, if they'd ever used a Richards box, that weird little device mm-hmm. thing. I would ask them other stuff. But his response was a little weird. So I was like, huh, maybe it's time to ask the one question I've been wanting to ask everyone. Because there was one thing we had heard about him that I wasn't sure I wanted verified. And so I sat down and I said, well, so here's something I've heard. Tell me if this is true. His graduate students who worked from his lab, apparently a number of them used to call him Little Hitler. 
<laughs> In and a the, good way? <laughs> I think they meant he was an asshole and worked them hard. I don't think they meant he was anti-Semitic. I really hope so. I didn't. Sure. Um, it was, uh, yeah, that rumor came from the 80s when people didn't know to not say it that way, when they just meant asshole. But so, um, so I, I told that to the guy, and he, he just kind of looked at me again, and he just goes, no comment. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So I feel like there's there's layers here. There's like, yeah, my mom was right. He was this amazing guy. He was also probably complicated. He probably yeah. had some grad students had a horrible time in his lab. Sure. Probably some who had a great time. I don't know. Maybe not. I've never met one. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it's, it's been a fascinating thing. And like the weirdest thing to me is like I keep learning about this. Like this is my grand. You'd think that like if somebody wanted to know something about my grandfather, they would ask me or my mom, right? You know, I'd be the one who knows. No, I learned it from Wikipedia. I learned it from <laughs> a random guy after a show. Like this, I don't, I don't know if there's a lesson in that other than the internet age is very, very strange. It's a very <laughs> interesting time. We learned a lot about my uh, grandmother-in-law and her family from Ancestry.com yeah. while my grandmother-in-law was still alive. Ooh. And then we mm-hmm. asked her about it, <laughs> and then she took out the secret book of photos. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> she was going to carry some stuff to her grave. Wow. Um, well, I mean, we, that's when we, I, forget, I think it was early Google searches that my cousin Arthur did where he discovered this pocket of PLEs out in the Midwest, mm-hmm. and that was what prompted him to get in touch with them, and how he discovered that my grandfather had been a philandering multiple... Or great-grandfather, sorry. Uh, don't want to get the, indict the wrong person. <laughs> who's a traveling salesman who, uh, in addition to his wares, also planted his seed all yeah. across the... Uh, and married these women. Side so note, pocket of PLEs sounds like an 80s sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, good times. So, yeah, the internet. Yeah. The internet's great. There was a guy or a woman, I forget who, who like did that 23andMe where you get your genome sequenced mm-hmm. and it'll like try to match up with other people who've done it to figure out who you're related to. Oh. So he had his um, uh, mother and father do it and, you know, it built this thing. And then it was like, well, here's your half brother. And that's how the family learned that the dad had been cheating. Oh, no. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Gotta be careful. Yeah, yeah. Or not cheat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, Preferably that one. not cheat. There are two, yeah, two, there are two ways, ways to do, to do this. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, I think we all learned a lot this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, ben, where, where can people find out more about you? Oh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Lilly, or you can go to storycollider.org, which is where we post uh, all our upcoming shows and, of course, our podcast. We're up to 260 different science stories that you can listen to if you like. Wow. I didn't there are 260 different science stories. Those are just the ones we published. Wow. Wow. A friend of mine was just on a couple of shows ago and uh, Anna Zagerson. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She was great. Yay. Mm. Happy to hear that. Um she's a delight. Yay. Yeah, everyone should go and check out the story collider. I uh my my my, my science story is that uh, I won the physics award in high school because um I took physics late. And I learned everything that I needed to learn for physics in math the year before. So I had a 99 average. Nice. The <laughs> teacher gave me the physics award over my friend, who I still taunt with it. <laughs> 20 years later. Wow. Nice, nice. You're lucky he didn't teach you something about physics. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you want to go, Randy? I'll fight you. <laughs> All right. Sweet. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Bye, thank everybody. Guys. This was fun. Thanks for listening. Bye.
Rate us on iTunes. Thank you.